0: Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Well,
1: dang, what are we talking about today? Oh, I know. What is it? talking about the time in between when you, or at least the way I think about it is, the time when everything is kind of known about something you're making and before it's out. So it's like the kind of, it feels like you're just kind of going through the motions or filling in the blanks or just kind of executing on like a clear vision. Uh, that's how I think about it. And I think we're all we're all in that spot right now. I know at Studio Neat, we have like two sets of products that are exactly that. And it's, we've been, we're very much just kind of waiting on, like we've made all the decisions and we're just waiting on manufacturers to make samples and then us approve them and then go into production. And Mike, you you have a similar kind of thing too going on, right?
0: Well, since I feel like, for like the last two years of my life, I've been in this fe- <laughs> feeling. I've <like> constantly <laughs> been in this <laughs> feeling of like the thing that's coming. You know, like I've always, I feel like there's always been an idea of the next things. And there's kind of a couple of things for me happening right now where I've got stuff that's coming that I'm not really involved in other than it's going to be a part of my business. Right. So like yeah. they're not my shows. But I'm also working on something right now, which is uh, maybe kind of like a little bit personal in a way. Like it's a it's a thing that I really love and want to do, but I don't know how many people will want to do it or like will want to be interested in it. Like will actually want to listen. But it's something I really care about. So I'm working on it and it's it's going to be different in a bunch of ways. And I'm finding new ways to make it more different, like trying out new things with it, um, mm-hmm. because that's part of this whole thing, which I think makes this weight so agonizing anyway, is once you get to a certain point, you've done these things a bunch of times, you kind of have your process set down, right? So you're like, oh, we do this, then we do this, then we do this. And I actually think that makes it worse, because... <laughs> You, you're you kind of you've got your process set so you know all the pieces that need to happen and it kind of makes the whole thing i don't know like it feels more painful <laughs> Well, you
1: can see you know what still has to happen so it's like oh it's like you know if you have to take like 100 steps and you've only taken 70 of them you're like god it's like we have 30 more steps to take this exactly. is like uh gonna take forever um And yeah, I mean, I think definitely the more that we've done this, the more we know to expect that it's going to take way longer than we think it's going to take. And we still, I mean, I still were continually surprised about like how freaking long, every you know, it always takes. Uh, I mean, I'm sure soon enough we'll just be like, yeah, it's going to take a year for that to come out, but it's fine. Uh, But I mean, it's funny because uh, it's funny that you mention it always feels like, you're in this state, this kind of in-between state of like, uh, you know, you've you've made all the decisions in a project, and you're just kind of waiting for it to kind of get out. Um, if we've kind of made a conscious effort to. I mean, I think if we if we do kind of what we're planning to do correctly, we will always be in that state because we'll basically always have a project in the kind of. Th- you know, three-ish phases that projects uh se- seem to kind of be in all the time. And so it seems like maybe instead of just be, like, it, the trick is maybe to just be okay with uh, all this kind of like waiting and like anxiety and stuff, because really, I think, I think if we're doing it right, it's always, uh we'll always have a project kind of in that state. And I've found that it really helps at least, to have things that are at different stages. Uh, for a while there, we were kind of doing one big project at a time. And so that what that meant is like, yeah, we would spend like four months in this state where it's like, we feel like we can't do anything because we're waiting on everyone else for like everything, basically. And so we're just kind of a lot of times just like twiddling our fingers and trying to like do as much as we can, but it's a lot of waiting. And that's just like super... It makes it worse, right? If you feel like you're you're helpless and you can't do anything, and so I I have found that if we can kind of have projects in different states at the same time, it really helps kind of balance out that uh, that kind of uh, idle hands thing going on. Dan, do you do you feel? I mean, do you feel that too? I'm.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, previously our strategy was like slip in software projects uh, to fill the time this time in between that we're talking about, uh, which is mostly just waiting. Um, but I think we've learned that, uh, that's really just an indulgence. And if we're actually just working on products, uh, instead of these apps that we just like making, but don't make much money, then, uh, that might be just a smarter business decision overall.
0: So I can definitely see the idea of like it feeling better than just waiting right having more things on the go like you feel like you're working but i agree with that to an extent but there is another problem that that brings about which is the feeling of being overwhelmed yeah which i think is something that i feel every now and then um is when there's so many things happening and and for me it's people like so many people i have to work with on a new thing like or help or assist in some way it can feel a bit like ah so much happening right because inevitably they will all of those things will start to converge at the same time <laughs> yeah 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 yeah
1: and, uh and in do the other is the fact that it's other people make it difficult because like just they have schedules and they're asking you for things or does it just feel like there's a lot of moving pieces or i think it's the moving the...
0: pieces like in a way like you're still dealing with people you know like it's still yeah. people doing things for you right
1: yeah, but it's – there – yeah, for some reason it doesn't feel that way. It, uh, it feels more like the the time it takes things to be done is like somehow a little bit more known. Or maybe it's just like we don't have any control over them, and so it feels like <laughs> we can't do anything about it. So like, why worry? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like people to me, even though it is. I mean, it totally is. Just like people, like usually, just like a handful of people. But uh, for some reason, it feels a little bit different. Uh, I think actually, if if I was if we were working with a bunch of like individuals, they were like independent contractors or something. Uh, that weren't like our employees, but we knew they were like individuals, I would feel like maybe more stressed out because I feel like I probably could influence their timelines more than we can now. And so it would make me like want to bug them more and like want to uh, like push them along. And so I feel like I would probably do that more. Whereas now, With the companies we work with, it doesn't feel really like if we do a lot of pushing, it does a lot of good because it just probably annoys them. And they have like a ton of, you know, things to do, even though you are just like talking to like one person usually. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it just it feels like the wheels of industry, basically, where it's like once you get used to having things printed or having things injection molded or or any kind of manufacturing, you just come to understand it's like, yeah, these things... (laughs) take time and like we're not their only customer, so they have you know a queue of orders they need to get through and that's just the nature of it and you have to accept it sooner or later yeah
1: and we're usually like a small customer for them right so like we don't have a lot of leverage we can't be like get this done tomorrow or we're out of here you know like they're not gonna cry over that probably so uh at least that's how we feel <laughs>
0: Does that make the waiting harder because you feel like you maybe don't have as much power as you'd want in that scenario?
1: Oh, yeah, totally for me. Yeah, and, and I remember the first couple times, I think we really hit this with the Cosmonaut where we were working with a bigger company and, like, you know, their other customers were, like, Ford or something, right? So it's like, you know, we're real small potatoes. And, uh, you know, when we were, see- like, seeing the lead times they were quoting us, uh it was just like we wanted to rip our hair out. It was just like, what are you kidding? Like, we have to wait six weeks for you to, like, test this thing just so we can make a decision to then move into production or whatever. And so, like, we, I just remember just, you know, we did a lot of, like, trying to move them along faster and conference calls and all this stuff. And it was just basically all in vain. Um, And so eventually, yeah, it just came down to, like, okay, I guess this is just how long it takes. And it's like, you know, it, but yeah, it's like incredibly frust- frustrating and like demoralizing. And I think we've, we've come around to accept that that is the case, but it is still kind of agonizing. Um,
0: huh. So you've kind of built the helplessness into your timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: and in that case, it was doubly frustrating because it was A, the first time that we've really experienced those huge delays you know it was one of our first products and b it was uh we had you know 6000 backers on kickstarter patiently waiting for their cosmonauts so that just added yeah. to uh it was a big ramp up in all manners really wasn't it yeah
1: yeah yeah, it was a real I think we got with the glyph we really kinda of skated by and had like a fairy tale kind of experience with like manufacturing and like timelines and everything. And and that was the first one where it was like, oh, okay, like this is how it works. Like <laughs> you know, like for instance, I was just okay, I was on the phone with um this uh guy who is help who is kind of coordinating uh something or getting made in China, right? And he's like, Yeah, you know, production takes like Uh, you know, 30 days usually. Um, And that's cool. But it could be at least eight to 10 weeks for just like getting it back to the United States. And when you hear that number, like (laughs) what, it's going to take like two and a half months to like, get something here that's already made, it like blows your mind. But when you start dealing with like ocean freight shipping and stuff, like if that is the case, it's like a week here, a week there. Yeah, it takes them a week to like unload it from the huge container ship that has like 30,000 containers on it. You know, it's just like it's like all those things where it's like, okay, those all make sense, and I understand it's completely out of your control, and like, you know, it's just the way it is, but it just it just is shocking, right? It just drives you crazy. It's like how in the world is this possible? So it's that kind of stuff where it's in some ways it's easy because it's completely out of your control uh unless you're like apple or something and you can like literally rent like you can take over fedex and be like we own all your planes now for this week ship all these iphones for us you know so we we don't have any power in that way so you just have to learn to just like accept it which i guess is a healthy thing but it it is just like incredibly frustrating and a a hard lesson to learn
0: i bet it's got to be better for you though this this wait time when you're doing things in secret as opposed to the wait times when you're doing them with Kickstarter? Because you don't have the pressure of the people,
2: right? Um, I don't know if I agree with that. It's definitely huh. better in some ways, like the example you just said, but um, I think it's worse in a lot of ways. The first one that jumps to mind is... Well, first we should discuss like why why is this a problem in general aside from just like we're petulant children and we're impatient and we like want things immediately like there has to be something more to it than that and i think a lot of it is comes down to just like you know fear and anxiety and the the big one for me i think that gives me the most anxiety is you know is someone going to beat us to market or or some kind of version of that where it's like oh our our product uh, is like no longer relevant because some change in the market or or some variation of that. And so, what's nice about Kickstarter is you can supersede that by getting your idea out there kind of prematurely before it's finished, and and then you know you have the time to do the production and stuff. Where now we're in this window with these new products we're working on, where it's like you know, ideas are just out there for the taking. And so, you know, someone could release a product that's very similar to what we're working on and kind of beat us to it. Or it could be even something simple, like they use the sa- the name we were thinking of using, uh, even though it's like not related at all to our product. And just like dumb things like that, that just give me a lot of anxiety.
0: Yeah, this is something that me and Gray talk about on Cortex quite a bit, which is the idea of like someone... There's reasons that videos that he makes and people on YouTube make, there's a reason that they're made at the time that they're made. Like there is inspiration or something which strikes, but it could also strike somebody else. And when that happens, like you've ended up doing all the work and someone could end up just beating you. And how do you deal with that? Like it's a real, that's a real struggle.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: And when you're doing things in silent and in secret – there's no way to know if anybody else is doing exactly the same
1: and they are i mean i think it, like that's the case i mean like we with the Need ice kit that happened exactly like we were working on it and then there was like a clear ice cube making kickstarter <laughs> it was a little bit different like while we were like i don't know 95 percent done with the product and knew we were going to release it on kickstarter all this stuff and it's just like a real kick in the teeth it's like oh man are you serious <laughs> so yeah that that's why it, it we know that like we feel that and i think that's part of the reason why a lot of times when we make products because we have that feeling of like, Oh, it's timely. Oh, you know, and, and there's a lot of other designers and people out there who, yeah, have the same feeling. So it is a real problem. And I completely agree with Dan that, uh, the products where we have like launched them and made them public, uh, are a lot, this kind of in between time is a lot, uh, easier. Uh, the, the stakes are higher, I guess, but it's a lot easier, uh, for sure.
0: One of the things that I'm looking at doing for my new project is I mentioned I'm, I'm going to kind of try and completely change the way that I go about announcing and talking about this, like in, in a way that I've not done before. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it in advance at some point, pretty much as soon as the artwork is finished. um And I'm going to set up like an email newsletter uh-huh. To let people know when the project is av- is launched because I don't have a time frame like I'm kind uh-huh. of just like working on it as it happens um because I still have like a few things that I need to fall into place like so this show won't have a fixed co-host and it's gonna have like most likely a few different people that I kind of will work with on it, or I might even do some episodes on my own uh because I'm, you know, it, it, it make it will make sense eventually. At this uh,
2: point, you just gotta tell us. Uh, I pro- probably by the end <laughs> of this episode, You're so I will. Close. I will. It's so close. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so close.
0: Well, because mainly, like, one of the reasons, like I'm not talking about it in a bunch of places, is I don't think it will interest the majority of my existing audience. Mm-hmm. which is another thing which is going to be kind of weird dealing with it and like working on it is because of that but yeah I'm thinking of like setting up an email newsletter which I've never done before and like setting up like a landing page which I've never done before which will eventually redirect to the destination where the the show will live um and it's it's all kind of strange and I don't know if it's making it better or worse that I'm doing things differently. I just feel different about it. Like, I feel like my route to market is not as clear as usual. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: I think it's a good thing. And, like, it gives you the freedom to kind of experiment a little bit. And I do, I, you know, I think that a lot of this launching stuff is not necessarily as important in the long run, as, as we all think sometimes, like, if, if, you know, if you're, if you're making a good product, uh, you know, eventually, it's probably going to, like, work out, it'll even out, right, over the long term. Um, And and so, yeah, I don't know, I think it's probably a good thing that you are trying new stuff, because you'll learn all kinds of things. I think definitely, like, you know, email list and that kind of stuff can be really good. I mean, I've seen people who do a really good job of kind of, I don't know if onboarding is the right word, but they're kind of publicizing, you know, the product they're making beforehand. And all that does is it's kind of a way to remind people and kind of warm them up to the idea before it launches um, it in a way that is maybe valuable to them or at least interesting. Right. So kind yeah. of maybe behind the scenes or like, you know, making of stuff. And I think if you have the right product, then it can be a really good thing, right? Um, it's, it's not just kind of dropping a bomb on them.
0: Like the pre-announcing stuff can be so difficult to work out and so strange. Like It can be difficult for us because we've tried pre-announcing some shows before um, and saying they're coming on such and such date. Even when we launched, we did that, like the, the entire network. But we always get the same question, and I totally understand it, which is like, do you have an RSS feed? and you don't have
1: anything about this you
0: can't do anything you can't have one until the show exists right because you can't
1: have like a little um
0: you could have like a coming soon thing
1: like a little preview trailer
0: in theory that's what you could do right you could have that but a lot of the time that there's like reasons that that sort of stuff doesn't work out or like it can be systems that are involved it's like where does that go is that episode one and then like all the rest of the episodes are kind of messed up. Technically, uh technically, iTunes doesn't allow that, but everybody does it. Um hmm. there are a bunch of like really weird things that you can run into. And sometimes it's just like a there it doesn't exist because we don't want it on the site yet. Right? Yeah. Um because there are things that still need to occur. So it's always been difficult doing the pre announcing stuff. And in all honesty for a lot of the stuff that we do, it actually doesn't help. Like it is best I, we have found to actually have the show ready. So mm-hmm. like somebody sees the announcement and then they just add episode one to their app.
1: Yeah. And they can just go, they can, it's like an action item. They
0: can start listening. So yeah. but what we've never done before or what I've never done before is set up an email list. And, and yeah. it will, I think that, that, an email list might end up making sense for this project in the long run anyway. So I will probably cultivate one over time if it works out. Um, but I'm just going to give that a go and just see what happens. Cause this, this project isn't extremely important in my business. It's more of like a fun thing that I want to do. Um, so I'm willing to take more risks with it than usual, do more different things.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we basically came to the same conclusion where we were strongly considering uh, just starting to talk about one of our yet to be launched products on this podcast, you know, months ago and kind of turn it into a podcast about the creation of a product and, um, you know, give all the background and stuff. And we ultimately decided not to because, yeah, we were scared away from that of that idea of like, no, there's nothing actionable people can do. You know, we're not going to open up preorders for it six months before it comes out. And so you're like kind of losing that, that launch day moment of like, Oh, there's this new thing and I can press this button and buy it now or listen to it now or, you know, whatever the product is. And so I think it does, it, it takes courage and it, and it's interest. I'll, I'll be interested to see how it works out for you um, to kind of tease things out and, and reveal something before it's actually, you know, a product. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It's like, I feel like everything I think
0: I know works is only because it's what I've been doing and what I'm used to.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think there's a big uh, danger there because I think some things work for some products and some things don't work for some products. So, it's really, you know, even if you try something, it doesn't work one time, it could have just been like, that's the wrong product, right, or whatever. So, it's, uh, it's, it's very tricky. I think it's like a... Um, yeah, it's really tricky. I mean, we've done a lot of different we've done this sort of thing a lot of different ways and uh I wouldn't say yeah, there's one way that's really, you know, good to kind of like launch something in the kind of physical space where we do have the option of like pre-ordering and, you know, a kind of a Kickstarter way where it's a really long pre-order, but there's like content that is made during that long pre-order process, so there's kind of a reason for there to be a longer pre-order like I don't know. We have way more options, I think, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. I mean, we, yeah, we've, I think for these products coming up, we're going to do one of them's going to be a pre-order, uh, that's a kind of a short pre-order, like maybe a month or something. And then the second, the other thing is going to be not probably a pre-order and then we're probably going to have a Kickstarter later on this summer. So We're gonna kind of have all flavors—a real Neapolitan of
0: uh, launching things. (laughs) That's that's so beautiful. Uh, What (laughs) what is it now then that's like holding up this the most the most kind of close one? I guess like why can't if you if to have a pre-order why can't you just
2: tell the world what it is and just do it? Well, we we can pretty soon. Uh, We're still we to feel totally comfortable doing it is a, we want to have a finalized production sample that's like, okay, this is it now you just make it. Uh, but we actually also need that production sample to, you know, take photographs of it and make the video and all the kind of marketing stuff tied to it. So yeah, I think once we have that, then we could basically launch at any time, you know, with a pre-order and the length of the pre-order would just be determined by the production schedule. Um, and so we might wait, even once we have the production sample, just wait a little bit so that the pre-order is only like a month instead of, you know, two or three months or whatever.
1: Yeah. That's the thing we kind of always wrestle with is like, how, how long is a reasonable pre-order for this, for like a physical product. Right. And, um, it's true. That's a really tricky question. And I think it's, it's it's variable depending on like the way that I think about it at least is like, is there content? that we can make that will kind of help the waiting like you know uh like if we had say we had some product that we could pre-order and it was like a two-month wait uh from when they you know could start ordering it to when it would ship but like we were you know manufacturing in china and we were going to go there and we could kind of tell a story during that time of like you know what was going on i feel like i would feel a little bit more comfortable with that with like two months but uh, if it was just kind of dark and it's like, yeah, we're just waiting on production, it's a weird thing to do. And I think customers get uncomfortable and then it's like just strange that it's not in the context of like a Kickstarter or something when that's a little bit more expected. So it's tricky. It's all very fuzzy for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, that was the one interesting thing that we uh, – with that kind of little Apple remote stand thing is we made a lot of decisions about that product. Um, because we could confidently um, do a short pre-order. Like, we knew we could do a pre-order, and we knew it would only be a couple weeks because we were doing it in-house. So so we we could really kind of confidently uh, kind of make that pre-order date set and build the product around it. And usually we don't have that luxury, right? We're kind of always playing with uh, the dates. And that can get really tricky when our launch can be tied to, like, some external market condition like for us a lot of times it's like an apple thing or the holidays right so sometimes we're kind of artificially forced into uh uncomfortable timelines because of those seasonal deadlines that are often like super super important and this is really the first time one of the first times where we have these two products coming and there are no foreseeable kind of external deadlines put upon us so we could really do it at any time um It's kind of the first time that we've really had that option uh, comfortably. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, You know, it's, it's, uh, I think we're probably still want to get them out as soon as possible just because of that fear of like, Oh, is there going to be someone else that has the same idea and it's going to come out or blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, it is kind of interesting being flexible. I know talking to Dan, I was really anxious and feeling crappy about the kind of lead times we were getting from manufacturers But he was a little bit more, oh, it's not as big of a deal because, you know, we're not like under a holiday deadline pressure or anything like that. So that was actually kind of nice for once.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is I feel like this is really the first time for us making products where we're not against the immovable holiday deadline. So that that's been quite refreshing, actually.
0: When you when you look at the holidays and you have a product for the holidays, do you set like go no go? dates cuz there's got to be a point where it's like we're just not going to make it if we don't have it by such and such time
1: um y- yes usually the way it works is uh the question is always can we do or, or can we put it up for sale on black black friday right so you know even if it's a pre-order by a couple weeks can we put it up for sale on black friday and so uh, almost always what happens is we're kind of in production or have started production, you know, like, I don't know, in November or October or something. And so we, we know it's going to happen, but we know it might just be like a week or two later than we would want it to be. So it's usually just a question of like, can we put this up for sale before Christmas, Before like in a reasonable time to where we know we can get it out before Christmas? That's kind of always the question. I don't think we've ever – been in a situation where we just like wouldn't make something. Um, but we definitely missed that before, right, Dan? Like we missed it. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm trying to remember.
1: The Need Ice Kit, we were like hoping against hopes really naively that we could get it out before the holidays, but that was, we were like way off. We were like six months off eventually.
0: <laughs> really? Six months? Wow.
1: Well, we, we, we didn't make that public. So we, with the Kickstarter, we were, we, with our Kickstarter deadline and what we told people, we were on time, but we were hoping that we could maybe get it out before the holidays, uh, which would be about like six months early. So
0: you could sell more than just what you had on in the Kickstarter, yeah. right? You could start selling them on general yeah. sale?
1: Yeah, we would fulfill all the Kickstarter and then and then you know have them s- selling for the holidays. That But that was uh, really, really wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but we, were, we were actually still a little late, even with the the generous timeline we gave us. Like, I think we were telling people April and it ended up being like June or July. Yeah. But I think the cosmonaut, uh, was, we mostly made the deadline, but we had, we remember we made that like PDF that people could print. That was like, your cosmonaut is on the way because. Oh yeah. We did that with the glyph too. Yeah. But we were kind of backordered on. Sometimes we just like run out of inventory, and become back-ordered and then, you know, have to provide something <laughs> so people can, you know, put something under the tree or whatever that's like, it's on the way. That's so sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. it's really sad. <laughs> Luckily, I think we've always,
1: they've, uh, we've always kind of warned them that that would be the case. It's not like we're surprising them at the last minute, but yeah, it's, it's, it's real shit. Like, it's no good. Uh, that's You're really playing with fire on the holidays. So, yeah, it's, it's rough.
0: Yeah, luckily I don't. Or we don't have something like that. Um, like we don't have the holidays deadline or any, or any kind of like big external factor like that. What we end up with usually is if there's any kind of deadline, it's deadlines to other companies, which are a bit more flexible. Like let's say we've got a new show, and we might have set up like some sponsorship for it in advance. We don't do that all the time, um, but sometimes we do. Um, so you end up with a scenario where it's like, oh, I've got to make sure this all works out in time. Or one that I had, like when when I started with Behind the App, that the series the that I did for Inquisitive, I had to do it because I had no more interviews booked for, for, on the previous show. So it was like, well, ah. you've set yourself this time. I had sold some sponsorship based on the fact that we were going to be doing something new. And I had no interviews booked. So it was like, well, you've got a multiple few things here that are pushing you towards this date. And that's one of the only times that I've had like a fixed date that was immovable that I had to work to. And it was horrific. It was so bad because <laughs> usually our dates are kind of we set them. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like we can just move them. Like I, I was doing that uh, this week, like we're working with somebody and they've got a project and we were going to have it ready for kind of now, but instead we've moved it to like later in, in the quarter. And it's but that's totally fine because nobody knew about it. And it was only just us. Um, but there are times where, where I have done things that involve other people and it's like, now there's dependencies and it starts to get a bit more tricky.
2: Yeah. Which is difficult. Yeah. Does podcasting, uh, have, any kind of ebb and flow based on the time of year or seasons, or is it basically just a flat line throughout the entire year?
0: I have no idea yet, really. Um And I know that sounds kind of crazy. I've been doing this for six years. Uh There are maybe like two weeks in a year where it might be a bit quieter, but it, re- but it, it isn't definite by show. So, like, usually you'd think that the Christmas week, for example, might be quieter, but some shows... Mm-hmm. Get busier, I don't have any problem at all because people want to listen to them over the holidays. They want something to listen to. Yeah, they want to block
2: yep. out their family.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of the things, <laughs> or road trips, and we've actually done some stuff to combat this. Um, like for example, on a couple of a couple of the shows that would be more difficult during this time period, the tech shows, we now do specials at that time of the year. Mm. So it actually kind of combats the slowdown because it gives people an added incentive to listen. So like yeah. on upgrade, we do the upgrades. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and on Connected we do the year in review. And yeah. they're actually things that I really look forward to doing now. And mm-hmm. they help combat the fact that there is no news in technology yeah. in the Christmas <laughs> week. There is none. Yeah. And so like yeah, that's true. you can kind of beat it. One of the only things that I've found that does have an ebb and flow, I think, again, relay FM hasn't been around for long enough, so I haven't known enough of the whole production pipe. Is just there. There seems to be an ebb and flow of of sponsorship revenue, like how much pe- mm. money people have and how much interest occurs. And I think my my kind of back of the envelope right now is saying that the second half of the year, especially Q four, is when that picks up, and that makes sense. Yeah yeah yeah
1: well because people know more about their budget i mean like just i know for us like we know more about our budget and you know of course we want to advertise around the holidays right uh yeah that's you know big for us so that makes sense
0: like one of the things that people know about their budgets is they know they haven't spent it all yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or yeah or they don't have any money like <laughs> us uh, <laughs> so yeah that it that, that makes sense I, i'm surprised though that like the sponsorship side of things wouldn't be more drastic uh like like very obviously like slow or fast um it's kind of interesting. We're always, like, worried. Our data isn't
0: robust enough. Huh. Yeah. Like, mm. as in, like, we haven't been around long enough. Yeah. in, cons- in it, With a consistent amount of shows and stuff. Like, if you yeah. compare where we were this time last year to now, it's like a different company. Yeah. Um, like, this time last year, shows like Cortex and Reconcilable Differences didn't even exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, for us, the data is is... Is not old. We don't have enough of it to to compare. I think it's going to take us a few years before we can actually see any trends, which is really a pain in the butt.
1: <laughs> and I guess it's really difficult, like you said, because just the different shows. You know, I'm sure, like all the kind of Mac centric shows around. You know. Uh, you know, September, October, September, and like March when Apple releases stuff, there's like way more, int- like there's probably a real pickup of traffic, I would guess. So yeah, it just yeah. depends on the content. It's all tricky.
0: Well, like the, uh, we just had last week, right? So yeah. the Apple event mm-hmm. last week, the numbers that are focused on that really kind of bump things up, right? Yeah. All of the shows that are focused around the Apple stuff, we see an increase during that week because mm-hmm. I, I don't know why there are people that just want to listen to that one episode but they do but i guess
1: those are uh, but this that's also interesting though because i mean i guess like all of those shows kind of have these artificial deadlines too right that are around apple events or i'm guessing with like some of the like the gate like some of the gaming stuff there's probably you know those big events like e3 or whatever you know like uh it seems like that would be true that like some of the content shows have their own kind of like internal deadlines and stuff that make things tricky or, uh,
0: yeah. They're they're, they're like just times that are interesting, but the deadlines aren't so much the same because the, we're a scheduled business. Yeah. Right. So like there's going to be an episode that week anyway, but like what we do sometimes is we move Mm release days around.
1: I don't know if, I don't know if I would like it better or worse to be more schedule-driven. Like, I guess, theoretically, Dan and I could be like, yeah, we have to put out, like, a product every quarter or something. You know, like, we could be very, like, rigid about that. Uh, And I think in some ways that could be a good thing. But on the other hand, it would probably make us release things before they're quite ready. So it is – it's tricky. Um, I don't know. Dan, do you – we we talked about this. So I think I kind of know your answer,
2: but yeah. Yeah. I'm generally opposed to that for what you just said, like re- releasing products prematurely or, you know, the wrong kind of products. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been interesting. This, uh, this waiting period I've been, you know, working on the, the product video for one of the, for one of the products and it's allowed me to be super fussy about it. Like I'm spending a lot of time on it. And (laughs) uh, like, you know, just yesterday I was like, you know, this ending doesn't feel quite right. I'm going to like add a clip here. Um, And so that aspect is kind of nice. I mean, it's silly because I'm putting like lots of hours of work into it, but um, it's cool to, you know, have that time to be able to perfect it.
0: The the refining is nice. I mean, I know that we've had things like, we've had shows that have literally somebody has pitched the idea to us and the first episode was out a week later yeah right which is very exciting but hard (laughs) to do yeah and then we have things that we've been working like ideas that we've had that have been working you know for years you know I still have ideas for shows that haven't been realised that I had like four years ago, but I still think they're good ideas. I own yeah. a lot of domains, you know. For the war, a lot of domains got all the domains, uh, and you know this this idea that I'm working on now is only occurring because I had a good idea for a, for a, the name and the domain was available, so I started <laughs> the process. Like it's, it's something I wanted to do for a while, I just never got around to it. But now yeah. it's kind of like I'm just trickling along, and one of the things that's kind of related to this, which is I think is kind of interesting, one of the reasons I'm going to do the pre-announcing thing is so it actually puts me in the position where I have to do it. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah that that is a, that's actually something I think that is underrated about Kickstarter or any kind of pre-order thing is it really provides like a lot of motivation, right? <laughs> and so um, that's also something. That is really nice about kind of um, yeah, you know, kind of making things public and putting yourself on the hook. Is it? It's a nice way to kind of uh, get started, and that's I, I've actually given that advice to people who are you know first starting out, and maybe they have like a full time job, and it's really hard to kind of find the time to you know start making projects and doing things. Um, but really, you know, like pre-selling it right and putting yourself on the hook, even if it's like a really small Kickstarter or something. It, it it completely changes the game, or at least it does for me um, in terms of, you know, really providing a ton of motivation. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I totally I totally see that as as a way to provide a really nice carrot and or stick, depending on uh, your own mind, I guess.
2: <laughs> How nice the backers are. Yeah. And to uh, t- to counter what I just said earlier about the video and being able to fuss with it uh i think we're definitely susceptible to the trappings of that which is just endlessly you know tweaking something and never actually just putting a stake in the ground and saying okay we need to release that and we we almost kind of started going down that path with the the product that is will be soonest released and we we're just like okay no <laughs> like this is the product <laughs> we're we're going to put it out um and so you know at a at a certain point you just have to stop iterating
1: Yeah. I mean, this podcast is called Thoroughly Considered and I think it is, (laughs) it is like, it is our tendency to sometimes start polishing, like over polishing something, especially with software, I think. And, you know, it kind of just completely flies in the face of the whole like lean startup, minimum viable product soft thing that the software world is kind of, you know, all behind. And it's, you can't really do that in physical stuff very easily, so it sucks. But, uh, but yeah, I, that is definitely a big danger is, you know, holding on to something. I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm guessing that must have happened some with some, some of the shows and stuff that you've produced that are a little bit more kind of polished, right? Where you just, you find yourself just kind of polishing and polishing and polishing when really you should just get it out there.
0: Oh, I do of episodes.
1: Yeah, 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 and,
0: yeah. And one of the f- things that's always funny is, is like, so let's say we have a troubling piece of audio. Right, and I do a ton of work on it to try and make it better. Like nine times out of 10, the episode that I end up releasing was like audio from six hours ago that was fine, but I spent the last six hours trying to make it better. And then when I compared the two, the original <laughs> one was, was better. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Ugh, the, the, the tricky audio is like, it's like my hell. I sweat <laughs> so much when I'm working on stuff like that. It's the worst thing. It's just the worst thing. I hate it so much. Oh, naturally, as I should, really. Bad audio is the worst thing that can happen to me. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> In my business. Because uh, my business is just what you hear.
1: I guess that's true. I guess that's true. It is your quality. Uh, yeah, we we kind of have a similar issue that, I, that I've been re- wrestling with a lot, which is... um, So, with we always have this tricky where we're making these kind of new products that are new categories for us. So we don't always know what is manufacturable or like what is cheap or what is expensive to do. And so a lot of times what we want is we want to show like a sketch or like, you know, something kind of really rough to a manufacturer and be like, hey, like, is, like what do you think about this? Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? The problem is, although that seems like a logical thing to do, especially with China it seems like a very very difficult thing to actually do and so for us it's this whole tricky kind of song and dance back and forth of how well do we specify and like detail you know figure out every last little detail of a product before we send it to a manufacturer and get a sample and kind of start working with them and so on the one hand you know if we get everything ready everything's perfect We present all that, like, documents and data and design files to them, and they, you know, can, you know, approve it and make a sample right away. That feels like a huge win because we've only done that back and forth one time, right? But the the alternative is we could start that process earlier. Like, say, two months earlier, we go to them and say, hey, make a sample of this. Uh, you know, we're going to make some little tweaks afterwards, but make the sample. And say it takes them a month to make the sample. By the time they're done with that, we've kind of made all our decisions. And then we can be, okay, you've made that sample. It's pretty good. Uh, Now, you know, make these changes and make another sample. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a subtle difference. But when we're talking about, you know, a couple months, two or three months, that that can eat up a couple months. And that's actually what's been happening with, with these products, where it's like, We sent off samples pretty early to be made. Uh, And since that time, while those samples have been made, we've made a bunch of little decisions. So now we're in the process where they've kind of made one sample, but now we have a whole bunch of tweaks for them to make. And it kind of feels a little inefficient, like, oh, we could have saved a month or a couple weeks if we didn't do that. So it's this whole weird weird process of, like, when do you, you know, either, like, invite beta testers in, or when do you kind of show it to a manufacturer, or when do you get a sample made, right? Is it when everything is done, or when is it 90% done, and then you can use the time to make decisions? I don't know, it, it's just very tricky, and it feels, it seems like a little thing, but it feels like the most important thing sometimes when I'm sitting here, when we're sitting here, like, trying to make decisions about, you know, the littlest snap color or something, and so it's, uh, I don't know, It's it's interesting. Do you, Mike, do you feel like that that's ever going on, or is it, that because you're not working with like manufacturers say you don't, you don't really have
0: that issue. I don't think that's one that we really have so much.
1: Yeah. Well, that's nice. Cause it'd be really, I mean, the world would be perfect if we could just like make all our decisions and then know that, be confident about them and just send them off. And then they're just done. It's like, Oh, you've made this exact object. Thank you. But it never happens. So we'd like try to hedge towards, uh, finding out all the finding out all of the surprises as soon as we can basically
0: because yeah, like if you look at the production process the majority of the time like if the production's bad it doesn't necessarily affect the company so much as that individual show yeah uh, and yeah. weirdly like it People would just say, like, this doesn't sound like a show that I'm used to hearing on such and such, like, you know, ah oh, I don't this doesn't sound like a real AFM show for whatever reason. We've never had that happen because people know how to do our stuff and it's not incredibly difficult to make it sound ninety percent good. Um and we help people with that stuff, but it's not really so much of a, a risk for us 'cause there are there are way fewer moving parts. Yeah. Which is why I don't think it's been an issue. Yeah. That makes sense. Ugh, ugh, ug, ugh. ugh. <laughs> so, do you think? <laughs> do you think that by the next time we have a show, that you will have announced one of your things? I think mm-hmm. I will
2: have mine. In two Maybe. weeks, probably not. Probably not. No,
0: unfortunately. Okay. I'll race you.
1: <sighs> Hopefully, in a month. You know, it's just like so. So demoral. It's not. It's just like so frustrating. It's like, come on. This, you, it's like, look, we've made all the decisions. Manufacturer, you know you can make it. Let's just like do it, guys. Come on. <laughs> Let's like going on over Can't lose. Like, come on. <laughs> That's how it feels. It's like, ugh, ugh. Uh, uh, can't I just run over there and shake you or just like put this thing in your machine and make it go? Just like, ugh just buy all the machines. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I want to do. And it's funny when we talk to all of our friends and stuff who have who do similar stuff, they're all like, "Man, in-house production, that's the way because this time doesn't exist. It's like this agonizing time is gone when you control all that stuff." And so that's the dream, right? Uh and I th- and I think hopefully a lot of like automated production is going to mitigate these problems, you know, in the long term, but man oh man is it frustrating
0: i guess the problem for you is because you guys make so many different things you can't just buy the machine
1: exactly yeah exactly
0: when you just get the neat machine you just build that (laughs) right and then (laughs) it's everything (laughs) you just build one machine that can make all of the stuff that you want
2: to make and then you're good to go yeah it's true it's true
1: Let's, let's, let's do that, Dan. We'll get started right away.
2: The problem is we have to wait eight weeks for someone to make that machine for us. <laughs> and I just can't tolerate that. <laughs>
0: Thoroughly considered as a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. If you'd like to find links and information for this week's episode, head on over to Relay.fm slash TC slash 11. If you're enjoying the show, tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye.